9 o'clock. Thanks for joining us, Jim and the Buckeye Boy from the Bozark Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. It's one about a Wednesday. You can win a bottle of Talon wine. They have the perfect wine to pair with whatever you're pulling out of the oven, taking off the grill. So if you got a complaint today, it is Valentine's Day, which we, we thought we'd go nice today, too, since it is Valentine's Day, about why you love sports. Maybe a sport that's out of the ordinary that you have an affinity for. Not that pro wrestling is necessarily out of the ordinary anymore, but it's certainly, but it's certainly not stick and ball sport. It's not your, it's not like loving mm-hmm. football or basketball or baseball or hockey or whatever the case may be. Like I mentioned, I love Supercross, Motocross yeah. stuff. I love the CFL. Do I love those things? I, I love the the motorcycle racing. That part of it in a different. It's in a different place, mm-hmm. but would never surpass me watching the Broncos or, or watching college football or anything else, abs or anything like that, but it's a sport I do enjoy. So we got some thoughts on that today. And if you're like, if you, I love only this sport. I only love baseball. You and I don't get that. No. Or I love only basketball. You don't love any other sport? I get if you're a NASCAR fan or a golf fan. It's kind of different. It's more individual sports. It's kind of a different thing. All right, so text or call us, 970-242-1340. Uh, Steve, I enjoy women's softball. We don't have the pick results just yet, Steve. Actually, I was just working on that. Noah doesn't carry over to the UFL, by the way. No. It's not going to carry over to the Spring Football League. All right, so... Uh, we start at the 9 o'clock hour Wednesdays talking CSU Rams basketball with the voice of the Rams, Brian Roth. Talking CSU with the voice of the Rams, Brian Roth on the Jim Davis Show. And with us right now, Brian Roth. Good morning, Brian. How you doing? Good morning, Jim. Uh, you get a little bit of sleep after uh, the trip to San Diego? Yeah, a little bit of sleep. So uh, in San Diego, if I already had the airport, I'm actually going to Las Vegas. Um, okay, so you're you're you're, you're in, in basketball team there. All right, so you're in route you're in route to your next gig. You're not you're not back in town or anything like that. Back in the front range, you're you're off to your next gig. Yeah, we 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 had to shuffle some of our women's basketball broadcasts here this year in terms of announcers, and so um, I, I'm filling in for that. So I'm flying to Vegas and doing the Colorado State women against UNLV tonight at uh, at 7.30 Mountain time tonight. So, Give us a little preview. Of, the, of course, a lot of talk about the CU women's basketball team, but uh, CSU's had a, a decent season as well. Yeah, you know, I mean, for, for those folks out there that don't know about Colorado State, you know, they have an All-American candidate in McKenna Hopshield. I mean, she's only five foot two, and, uh, you know, she's the, I think, the third leading scorer in the nation. And she is only one of two players in the nation to average 24 points a game and average seven assists per game. I'll give you a guess of who the other one is. Is uh, Iowa. Caitlin Clark? Caitlin Clark. Okay. I was, I was going to go there. I'm like, that just seems so obvious, but okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so those, so those are the only two players averaging 24.7 assists per game. So uh, they, they, they've had a, a little bit of an up-and-down year. They're uh, 15 and 8, and right in the middle of the pack in the Mountain West Conference. UNLV ranked 25th in the nation to 
defending uh, women's conference champions, and they're 20-2. and two. So uh, monumental task ahead of Ryan Williams and the Colorado State women today. Speaking of Iowa for a moment, uh, that uh, tomorrow they have Michigan at uh, Iowa City where Caitlin Clark, she's like eight points away from being the all-time leading scorer. You see what the ticket prices are for that game? No. Uh-uh. $521 per ticket. Wow. And wow. Iowa already had, I believe, the highest, the second highest ticket price in the country for women's college basketball, at like three hundred and three hundred dollars and change. Five twenty one is like your cheapest cheapest ticket price for that game tomorrow night with Michigan. Yeah, that's incredible, and the the way that she is really uh, picked up, uh, you know, the attention of women's basketball and and really risen that whole sport. It's, it's really cool because, I mean, you look, you look at college basketball, women or men, she is the most famous college basketball player out there. And I, and, and I guess you can mention maybe Bronny James at, at USC, but Bronny James isn't famous because of what he's done on the court at USC. Uh, Caitlin Clark is a phenomenon, and she is so fun to watch. Anytime that uh, they're on TV and, uh, you know, I have a, a moment to watch, I mean, that's, that's must must watch TV with when, when she is uh, just some of the shots that she hits and, and you know just like why is she taking that oh never mind she has switched it through so she's a, a ton of fun yeah no doubt about it yeah I, I agree she is probably the best known college basketball player right now period of of, of anybody in the country I mean you you, you, we, you can talk about a lot of players uh, that, that are you know at, you know you know the idiot Purdue and players like that. But, I mean, she's she's doing TV commercials. She's the one that most people, uh, they, hey, I, I, I know who Caitlin Clark is and, and recognize her on site. Well, well, good luck with the call coming up uh, tonight for the women's basketball team. You had uh, the, the uh, CSU men last night, San Diego State. Uh, Jaden Ladee scores 27 points for the Aztecs. They beat the Rams 71-55 to last night. Uh, tough night for Nico Medved and uh, the Rams against the Aztecs. Well, I mean, if uh, if any of your fans had watched that game, it was it was truly a, a remarkable game. I've been doing college basketball now, uh, men's and women's side for for over two decades. I've been doing the men's games full time since 2010. I, I have never seen a juxtaposition from teams and how they play in the first half to the second half. It was it was truly incredible and uh, just a horrid sight for the Rams in the second half and. I, I don't know if I've ever seen numbers like I saw in the second half last night. Colorado State ends up losing by 16. They were up 14 in the first half. Yeah. At halftime. Up 14. Up 44-30. Rams had played really well. Jaden Ladee got in some foul trouble. And, you know, you knew San Diego State was going to make a run. I mean, look, this is the really the benchmark when it comes to programs in the Mountain West Conference. VA um, Hots Arena here in San Diego is one of the most hostile arenas in the entire nation. It doesn't matter the conference, all right? I mean, their sellout streak is, is remarkable, and they pack the building. The show is what they call their student section, one of the best student sections in the nation as well. And that's a proud program. And Colorado State came out, punched them in the mouth, and, and really were in complete control of that game, up by 14 at halftime. But San Diego State was going to make a run. And, boy, Colorado State just wilted. I... I I, I, I have a hard time coming up with adjectives of what we saw. In the end, Rams got outscored 41-11 in the second half. I mean, think about that, Jim. It's a Division One, to top 25 team. The Rams are ranked 25th in the coaches' poll this week. 
and you get held to 11 points in a single half of basketball. I've never seen anything like it before in my life. For you, I mean, like you said, that that's that's just a staggering. I saw the, the box scores. Like, they scored 11 points, and they were up by 14 at halftime. What were, I mean, what was the recipe last night for that second-half failure for Colorado State? I mean, what uh, what transpired that, that led to that kind of really bad second half after a, a phenomenal first half for Colorado State? Well, a couple of things. First off, as, as they always are, San Diego State's an elite defensive team. Maybe not as good defensively as they were last year when they made a run to the Final Four in the National Championship game. But they're still uh, an elite defensive team. And, man, did they just ratchet up the pressure. And they just, uh, I mean, you could just tell that uh, Brian Toucher, their head coach, uh, had probably choice words for him at, at, at halftime. And, and they came out and picked up the intensity and, and really made things hard for the Rams offensively. But, you know, CSU had plenty of open looks in that second half and just nothing would go. And it was one of those things where, you know, kind of like the last minute against Wyoming where everything that went wrong could go wrong. Colorado State missed a, a number of layups. They had some wide open threes that they were hitting in the first half that just literally couldn't get a bucket to fall. The Rams in the second half, Jim, were three of 25. I don't know if I've seen called a Division One wow. game where where a team only hit three field goals in a single half. So that that's that's one end of the floor, but really where Colorado State just got decimated and manhandled and blasted and enter adjective here is on the glass. And CSU at halftime, they had out rebounded San Diego State seventeen twelve. They were holding their own very well on the on the glass. Well, they gave up two offensive rebounds. Second half rebounding, 34 to 7 in favor of San Diego State. 34 to 7, the Rams got out rebounded. They gave up 12 offensive rebounds in the second half alone. And I mean, look, I mean, if you're getting defensive stops, which the Rams were, uh, I think uh, I think San Diego State shot 46 percent the second half. I mean, it's not like San Diego State shot. You know, 65, 70% the second half, you go, well, man, they're, they're, they're making everything. No, but when they were missing it, they were getting their own rebounds and they were getting second chance points. And, um, you know, you get out rebounded 34 7 in a single half of basketball. It ain't going to look good for you on the scoreboard. Brian Roth, voice of CSU Rams men's basketball team with us, uh, the voice of the Rams uh, on the Team Sports Network. Josiah Strong had 14 points. But uh, it was just a, a tough night for others, like Joel Scott, who only had four points last night. And we've talked about Joel Scott, guy that, you know, when he's, um, you know, double-digit score, a, a factor, big help for this basketball team. But uh, tough night for Scott last night and that Rams loss. Yeah, you know, I mean, look, Joel Scott, I, I thought, was one of the few Rams out there in the second half was battling his tail off and was was – you know, trying to fight for rebounds. The problems with, with Joel Scott last night is he, he got into foul trouble. And, you know, for the for the folks out there that haven't seen San Diego State here this year, they have Jaden Ladee, who you mentioned at the uh, onset of this. He goes 6'9", 250. And, and the dude has a body that looked like it was, you know, sculpted out of rock. And, and it looks like an Adonis out there. And he's so skilled. He's so big, he's so strong, he's so athletic that he is just a, he's a load handler. He leads the Mountain West Conference in scoring. You mentioned he had 27 last night. He had 22 in the second half. But he single-handedly fouled out two CSU players and then 
got another CSU player hurt, Patrick Cartier, trying to guard him, sprained his ankle late in the contest. We don't know the status of that, so that's another uh, issue that the Rams have to, you know, possibly maneuver moving in to this stretch of games that, I mean, just continues to pile on with Utah State, New Mexico, UNLV, Nevada. But Jaden the D, I think uh, the final box score said he uh, he drew 12 fouls in the game last night. 12 fouls. And look, you're going to get some calls at home. No matter if you're at Moby, Rams will get some calls. You're at Viejas in San Diego. The Aztecs will get some calls. But, man, with as physical as he was and with the amount of fouls that they were calling against CSU, trying to defend that beast on the inside, I mean, that's going to be hard to stop. So Joel Scott, I thought, played hard, played well, but he just wasn't on the floor. I mean, <laughs> and then the other five player for the Rams, Sean Bemba, wasn't on the floor a lot either because – he basically got single-handedly fouled out by, by Jaden Ledee. So, you know, it's one of those games in the second half. Rams got completely out physical um, on the glass, defensively, offensively. And, uh, it was it was hard to watch, but we still know that it's only one loss, and you move on, you get Utah State on Saturday. And, and look, it is, this is a conference where it's been hard to win on the road, but you got to hold home court. CSU Rams play-by-play voice Brian Roth with us today. He mentioned Utah State on Saturday at Moby. Uh, right now, uh, they, they lead the conference eight and three in conference twenty and four uh, on the season for them, and so uh, a big challenge coming up. But on the home floor, uh, over in Fort Collins, coming up on Saturday, you know, I was looking at the the, the Ken Palm by the way, uh, where Colorado State is right now, uh, currently thirty uh, seventh in the Ken Palm. So while uh, that, that was a Tough loss to take last night, especially after a 14-point first-half lead. Rams still in good shape, and and when it comes to uh, looking at the NCAA basketball tournament, um, there's no question. I mean, they're still sitting at 30 in the net rankings. I mean, every single bracket has them. So, I mean, losses at San Diego State are not going to kill you. I mean, to, to where CSU has put themselves through the season as we sit here on Valentine's Day. I mean, Colorado State's in very good position to make the NCAA tournament, and so. Yeah, I mean it'll it'll take a big collapse down the stretch here for CSU not to not to go, but you know it doesn't mean you can you know go one and four in this five game stretch. But a loss at San Diego State is not going to hurt you. Uh, it's, it's probably not even going to drop you a line, as most um, brackets have the Rams at six and seven. It's not like the loss last night drops the Rams down to a to a nine in most people's brackets, and so uh, that's why it's like. The second half was disheartening. And again, you get you get beat 41-11 and a half on national TV and you get out-rebounded 34-7. You need to do a little soul-searching after that because they got pounded, pulverized in the second half. And, and there's some guys that are going to be looking at themselves in the mirror, and I'm sure the coaching staff is going to be harping on that, saying, look, wait, that's a search-for-soul type of moment. But at the same time, this is a basketball team that's still in great position and still has everything to play for. You just you got to figure out what happened in the second half. Make sure that it never, ever happens again. All right, Brian. Always appreciate the time. Happy Valentine's Day, by the way. Uh, how do you? Oh, yeah, I'm, your yeah. your wife is so used to this kind of schedule, though. So it's probably <laughs> she's you know like Valentine's Day. Ow. You'll make it up to me somewhere down the road, Mister. That's probably how it is with yeah. her, right? Oh. No, Valentine's Day, I mean, I, my, yeah, it's, it's for the kids these days. <laughs> so I'll, I'll, I'll get some Valentine's stuff and give them to the kids when I get home tomorrow. But, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, he's been married for X amount of years with three kids at X age. Valentine's Day doesn't mean as much as it used to, huh? No, it's uh, I think for, yeah. When you've got kids, you got those other things going on. Yeah, it becomes becomes more the kids thing than it is some you know some big couples uh, uh, event uh, that rolls around one time a year. Well, and Jim, you know what? I mean, when when my wife and I first started dating and and you know all that stuff before we got married, I set the bar very low for what she could expect on Valentine's Day. So I got out in front of this holiday at at a young age. Yeah, lowered expectations you know, was, was what she learned to develop with with dating you, right? Yeah, expected like a bunch of roses and rose petals, uh, you know, throughout the house and me writing a song and holding up the boom box like John Cusack and say anything. That's probably not going to happen. No, no. Low, like, low expectations. That's absolutely <laughs> what she, she has come to expect uh, on Valentine's Day. All right, man. Hey, I make up for it on the other 364 days of the year, Jim. So that's what you need to do. See, that's it. That's right. It's not one day. It's what you that's do. Right. The, the other 364 that counts, man. There you go. That's 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 a smart, successfully married guy when you look at that's it that right. way. Very good. Hey, Brian, appreciate it, man. Uh, have a good call in the women's game. All right. Thanks, guys. See you. All right. Take care. Brian Roth joining us this morning. All right. So it's uh, 917 and uh, coming up. We're actually going to talk with Jackson Killen, Montrose Red Ox football player that's signing today with Puget Sound. We'll have him coming up in just a few minutes. Uh, who do we have on the team line right now? Uh, we're talking which sports we love that are kind of off the wall. And Rich is uh, trying to get in and throw his two cents in All right, in Rich, the good morning. What's on your mind, Rich? Good morning, Mr. Jim Davis. Uh, one of the unique sports that I always thought was, uh, it, it is a sport, it's an Olympic sport, and that's curling. Yes, curling. I we've we've had the folks on from River City Sportplex uh, talking about their curling leagues. Yeah, and you know, I think I missed the boat on signing up for that. But a gentleman of my age, I think, uh, I think it's not clearly a sport for all ages, and it sounds like they have an awful lot of fun doing it. They do, and uh, it's it's a sport that you can actually hold a beverage, regardless alcoholic, non-alcoholic, in your hand while you do it too. See, now you're talking. It's right there with golf. I like it. I like it. Yeah. So well, you, thanks, Jim Davis. Appreciate the show. Well, thank you, Rich. Thanks for calling in today. Great to hear from you. All right, buddy. See you. All right, take care. All right, Rich. And I I love curling during an Olympic year. And then it's like, man, why don't I watch this more often? And then I forget about it for three and a half years. I remember uh, Steve Cyphers. like bobsled. When Steve was working at ESPN and covering the Olympics. We were, we were like cracking on curling one day. And called us up and gave us quite the tongue lashing, kind of like what Conor McGahee did yeah. with me with my reluctant dictator, Oxymoron. Mm-hmm. He's like, come on, guys. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. You know nothing of what you speak. You should know that, Steve. You listen to the show. And so I, so thanks to Steve Cyphers. Setting you straight. Developed a greater appreciation yeah. of curling. Thanks to him. All right, 919. Those and, Scandinavian teams, though, they're intense. And that curling and the screaming and the whole thing. Yeah, I'm like, man. It's just happy, laid-back people, you think. And not, not when they're curling, the Danes and the Swedes. Mm-mm. Canadians are, though, they're, they're laid-back, but they're, they're very intense yeah. about their curling, though. They're, they're very focused. Right. There's they're, always a please and an A, though, when they scream, which is a little weird. <laughs> Rush, hey, please. Hey, please. 
please. All right, 920. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Also, four down territory on the way. And uh, you can still uh, get in your wine about a Wednesday to win a bottle of Talon wine. Send it to us today, 970-242-1340. Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. It's the Western Slope's home of Colorado sports. Come on! This is the Jim Davis Show. Talking Montrose High School sports on the Jim Davis Show. And Jackson Killen brought to you by the Rick Nelson Agency and American Family Insurance for a free comparison. Call this team of licensed professionals at 970-241-0078. He'll sign with Puget Sound University today after he led the Red Hawks and tackles this past season. Jackson Killen joins us. Jackson, appreciate the time. Thanks for coming on for a few minutes. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Big day for you. Also big day for, for Blake Griffin as well, who will be signing uh, later on today as uh, Blake will sign with the, the Merchant Marines. And and uh, also you have uh, another one of your teammates that will also be signing. Um, geez, uh, I'm trying to remember his, trying to remember the name right now. Uh, Cortland Nelson's going to be signing with Carroll College uh, as well. Yeah. So uh, Cortland's going to be signing later on today. Exciting day for the three of you guys in this Valentine's Day to, to commit your, your minds and hearts and souls, so to speak, Jackson, oh, yeah. to, to your respective institutions. Uh, sorry, what did you say? I said that today's the day you're committing to, to the, the schools that you're going to be playing for. So uh, take us through for you, Jackson, your decision to go to Puget Sound University up in uh, Washington State. Um, well, so they, they they were kind of the first college that was ever, like, talking to me about playing sports at the next level. Um, and they kind of were talking to me before I had even, like, truly decided if I wanted to play at the next level. Um, and then, so I kind of just kept in contact with them. And then over last spring, they called me and let, let me know that they were sending me an offer. Um, and then I was able to visit over the summer, um, and go visit for the first time and just love the campus and the facilities and the coaches and just everything about it just kind of spoke to me. Um, and so that's what really led into it. And then I was able last month to go do an overnight visit and get to know more of the team and, um, just kind of the life of the place and just everything about it just spoke to me. Um, so it was really, it was really a no brainer for me. Jackson Killen of the Montrose Red Ox football team signing with Puget Sound University division three school. And, uh, he will sign later on today. His letter of intent, as I mentioned, uh, you, you led your, uh, Red Hawks and tackles this past season. What are they? You also played a lot on the offensive side of the football as well. Uh, toting the rock quite a bit, uh, for uh, coach Brett Merton's football team. Puget Sound, what do they see? Offensive side, defensive side, what's the, the future for you, Jackson, playing at Puget Sound? Um, well, so based on what I've talked with the coaches about um, when I've been there is that they're planning to have me play on the defensive side, um, but whether or not it's a linebacker like I've been playing or more of a kind of a strong safety role to fit more of my size, I'm not totally sure yet, so that's kind of up in the air. When you go back and then some great memories uh, of playing with this Red Ox football team and Coach Mertens, and uh, you guys a couple different times so close uh, to, to getting to a, a state championship game, getting to the semifinals uh, against uh, Erie this past season. Jackson, for you, take us through as you sign you know, your letter of intent today, some of those memories, some of those favorite memories, uh, what are some of those for you as a member of the Montrose football team as you, as you begin the next phase of your, uh, your football career? Well, I honestly probably couldn't pick any specific memories. Um, the, my team has grown in to be pretty much my best friends. Um, everything about everything, every game I played, I played for them. Um, so, like Cortland and Blake specifically, I love having uh, Cortland right next to me when I blocked, or having a block for Blake, or just 
celebrating the end zone with those three, or those two, I mean. Um, so, I mean, I really couldn't pick any specific memories. I just know that every single one of the memories that I did make will live with me forever. What do you feel like you've learned from playing for Coach Mertens? Maybe not just as a football player, but, but as a, a young guy growing up, what did you feel like you've learned from him playing for him the last several years? I feel like I've learned a ton of valuable like lessons to become more of a man. Um, definitely, you know, be, being reliable, um, just being a all around like reliable uh, with good integrity. Um, I, I don't think I'd be the person I am today if I wasn't if I wasn't playing for Montrose. So, of course, uh, that signing will take place uh, this afternoon for Cortland Nelson, uh, Carroll College, and, and Blake Griffin with the Merchant Marines, and of course uh, Jackson Killen with Puget Sound University. So, but for you, Jackson, I mean, you're you're still out there doing your thing, playing basketball for Coach Ryan Voringer. Uh, good win for uh, your uh, Red Hawks last night against Grand Junction. Oh yeah, it was a great win. It was it was, it was like a football game, pretty much. That score. Yeah, no kidding. It was a very low scoring game last night. You guys came out on top by three points in that one over Grand Junction. Uh, as we head toward uh, the the state tournament, the five A state tournament, uh, you guys are in a good position right now. Uh, the league title, of course, that's uh, that's gone by the wayside with Fruit of Monument's impressive run. But uh, it looks like, I mean, right now you guys are playing some really good basketball, getting yourselves in, in position for that postseason, a place that, of course, you guys are familiar with the last couple of years making the state tournament. Yeah, um, I think right now we're ranked, I think, 10th or so um, in the RPI. So we're definitely sitting in a good spot as long as we keep playing solid basketball. I think we'll be, in, we'll be setting ourselves up for a pretty good uh, chance at a run in the in the state tournament. All right, very good. Hey, Jackson, congratulations, and thanks for coming on on short, short notice today, by the way. Uh, congratulations on signing later today with Puget Sound University. We appreciate the time. Enjoy to following in your, you and your high school career at Montrose. Uh, thanks again. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. All right, uh, that's uh, Jackson Killen of the Montrose Red Ox football team and basketball team as well. All right, 928. Jim along with uh, the Buckeye boy today from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. And uh, let's jump into four down territory today. We're into four down territory on the Jim Davis show on the team. All right, start things out with first down. Report from Awful announcing that and this is through the athletic as well. And then also on Awful announcing that ESPN is retaining the rights to the college football playoff through the 2031 season, paying an average of $1.3 billion per year for the six New Year's games tacked on to the end of the current deal. So ESPN first reported the negotiations uh, in January, and the existing deal runs through 2025, paying over $600 million annually. With the, the playoffs going to 12 teams in this year, ESPN did not have the rights to the first-round games its existing deal. The extension reportedly gives ESPN the rights to those first-round games in the next two seasons, though we don't know what that's going to cost ESPN to do that. A lot. It's going to cost a lot. One or two crap loads, I believe, is the official measuring stick for those. A crap ton of yes. money. All right, so the odds are out about where Justin Fields is going to end up. And so right now, the... Uh, odds-on favorite is the Pittsburgh Steelers, that he will end up going to Pittsburgh in some kind of trade with the Bears. Uh, interesting. 
course, Mitchell Trubisky no longer there. Doesn't uh, look like they have a lot of faith in Kenny Pickett anymore. I don't know, after Fields, after the he had what, a thumb injury, mm-hmm. he was so much better. Yeah, he I'm, played really well. I mean, I, he played pretty well this year for a 7-10 and 10 team. Yeah, I, I'm not sure that Caleb Williams is the answer for the Bears. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know if walking away from Justin Fields, though, is necessarily the answer. Somebody I think is going to get a quarterback that they can develop and is going to be a pretty good pretty good player at that position moving forward. Yeah, I think the, the thing that hurt Justin Fields is the team played the same with Tyson Badgen at yeah. quarterback. That's, that's the issue. They had some nice wins in there. They almost beat the Browns in Cleveland. They beat the Lions kind of handily. He had huge numbers and a loss against the yeah. Broncos. You know, and like they beat a scrappy Arizona team. They beat the Falcons by 20. They beat Minnesota. They wrecked the commanders in D.C. But, you know, like I don't I kind of am taking what you're saying. I don't know if Justin Fields is the answer for the Bears. But I'm not sold that Caleb Williams is going to be better enough to have to hit the reset button all over again. And then again, maybe in five years after that. I just, I don't know. I I always thought Justin Fields is kind of not able to show what he really can do. I know a lot of pressure gets put on those quarterbacks, but also take a look at situations. It's all about the situation you go into. You know, first-round draft pick, number one overall. If the team around him is not very good and the coaching isn't great, he's not going to be good. D'Amico Ryans, for all intents and purposes, was a good coach. The Texans loaded up on players, both young and veterans, both sides of the ball, and C.J. Stroud is offensive rookie of the year. Carolina, Frank Reich had his knees cut out from under him by the owner. Team was not very good or deep. Bryce Young didn't play well. And he didn't play well. Yeah, it looked like, oh, that was a mistake. Mm-hmm. If you're not going to change any of the rest of the situation, Caleb Williams isn't going to be significantly better than Justin Fields. Get him, get Fields more weapons. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. More weapons on the fields. Ha, ha, ha. Ah. Uh, that's for Sam. I know he loves the Dan Patrick show and their bad dad jokes. Uh, on Tuesday, and be yesterday, MLB announced that all three, sorry, that was two downs, right? We got... Yeah, I did too, yeah. Okay. I did too. I didn't want to jump in front of you. No, you're good. Uh, MLB announced all 30 teams are going to use the Nike Vapor Premier chassis, which I believe in this instance are called shirts, for their home road alternate and City Connect uniforms this season. The problem is they all kind of suck. They just look very much like roadside gas station uniforms. Yeah, well, said so Nike has the rights for the jerseys, but they license those to fanatics. Mm-hmm. And I, I read where Nolan Arenado kind of likes it because like, it feels like a shirt that I wear at home. In the press release <laughs> touting the new uniforms. But that's not how they really feel from everything no. else I read. That they're like a, like a cheap T-shirt. Like, if you look, and uh, uh, granted, it's two different players, but there's uh, somebody tweeted out, the uh, it, Bobby Mullins tweeted out last year's Fanatics jersey and this year's Nike. Last year's Fanatics, everything pops. One, it's a clean white look for the Mariners. This is the jersey. It's 
it pops. It's got good piping on it. You can actually see on a picture on a computer screen how firm the jersey is. And then the new one on the right just looks bland. Cheap. It looks, looks cheap. cheap. It looks like a jersey you would buy mm -hmm. from some discount yeah. website where you can get a, a jersey for 20 bucks. Mm -hmm. And the, the Brewers one that's on this story I'm looking at, it's on Yahoo Sports. It already looks like it's starting to fray, it which is does. not good. Like, it just doesn't look good. Don't know how it's going to work in motion. We'll see. It's not, not going to be great. I don't, I'm not super excited about the new look of the uniforms. So I totally agree. They, they look cheap. They look super cheap. Players don't seem to like them. You know, Miles Michaelis is the main one that's really put his name on it. He said, I don't like them. Everyone should write about it. Right. Uh, yeah, well. But then he said, I read mm -hmm. the Arenado comment. It's like, oh, they're, they're, they're light yeah. and they feel like a t-shirt that I'm wearing. light and comfortable. Yeah, it's yeah. almost like wearing my favorite shirt out on the field in the press release. So Ronald Acuna Jr. and Adley Rutschman also provided a thumbs up in the press release. So yeah. take that for what you will. All I have is they look cheap. They do look cheap. Uh, fourth down, Suspetus Family Barbecue. It's been a one-stop shop for all of its, uh, for MLB content. You get some good stuff. You get some weird stuff. You also get um, Alana Rizzo pooping on the head of Jake Mintz because apparently he's not a baseball reporter guy. Remember that from uh, the playoffs? Yeah, I remember yeah. that, yeah. Well, Suspetus Family Barbecue taking their talents to Yahoo Sports. So now they will be officially aligned with Yahoo Sports, the seventh or eighth most popular sports <laughs> platform. No offense. One but, of the one of the nation's sports platforms. Yes, exactly. It's not <laughs> one of the best, just one of the nations. So they've been doing it together. Uh, it'd be Jake Mintz and uh, the other guy. I can't remember his name. Uh, Jordan Shusterman. They do audio, video, written, and social content uh, on the X and all sorts of things. But they're going to Yahoo now, so that's going to be exciting. I, I do enjoy their content when I come across it. Hopefully, Yahoo, that partnership, will help bring that more to the forefront, and it's something you search out instead of when you come across it, which I'm guilty of. So hopefully it uh, is something that benefits them and baseball coverage as a whole. And we're all better for that. Yep. All right, 937, and it's uh, time for the Stan Sports History. That's the story of the greatest sport moment in all of history. It's time to take a trip back in time. It's this day in sports history. All right, go back to 1975. Julius Irving of the New York Nets scores 63 points. And a 176 a 166 quadruple overtime loss to the San Diego. Do you remember their name? Sure you don't. Mm, they weren't the Clippers, were they? They were not the Clippers at this time. Starts of the sea. Gutters? The ship Con thing, isn't it? Conquistadors. Oh, it's not at all then. No, not, they were close. That was close. Mm, Starts with a C, has an S at the end. There, there you go. See, you're, you're close in that regard. Mm -hmm. Irving sets an NBA or an ABA record by shooting 25 or 46 in the field 
and the 342 points are an ABA record. 1986, Wayne Gretzky gets seven assists for the third time in his career as the Edmonton Oilers beat the Quebec Nordiques 8-2. Gretzky doesn't score a goal for a career-high ninth straight game, but he ties his NHL record with seven assists. And 1988, Bobby Allison outduels his 26-year-old son, Davey, to win the Daytona 500, becomes the first 50-year-old to win NASCAR's premier event. One final one, 1990, Mario Lemieux of the Pittsburgh Penguins ends his 46-game scoring streak, the second-longest in NHL history, leaving after two scoreless periods of a 4-3 overtime win over the Rangers. 9.39, we will take a break. Still time to get uh, your wine in for Wine About a Wednesday with Talon Wine. Well, why don't you cry about it? So send that to us today. Still got about uh, 18 minutes-ish or so to send that in to us at uh, 970-242-1340 on the team line. We'll take a break and come back with more on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. We're going to be here a while. Would you like to talk? Talk to me! The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Forty-three, Jim and the Buckeye Boy today. Let's get to the team line. Got one from Tim. Hey guys, going back to the Kyle Shanahan thoughts about not being able to win the big game. Am I wrong that Andy Reid was labeled the same before he got to the Chiefs? Yes, that's true. Yeah, and it's not never. It's not able to right now. He's not been able to. As a head coach, he's zero for two. That might change. But yeah, we and we talked about it. You know, in defense of Kyle Shanahan on Monday, that yes, Kyle Shanahan right now cannot win the big game, and he's got to learn how to do that as a coach. His players have to learn how to do that. Andy Reid was in the same position; he had to learn how to do that. He finally Reid was able to mm-hmm. to break through and make it happen. And yeah, yeah, like with Kyle Shanahan, it's yeah, it's not that it's never going to happen for him. But but to me to to minimize well well we've won a lot of really big games right we've won we've won a lot well you've not won we, the biggest game but the goal is to win the Super Bowl Kyle mm-hmm. for being no. there twice in four years five years you've not won the biggest game while leading in the second half as the head coach and in two games twice yeah twice you've done this. And so to me, when you talk about, well, we've won a lot of big games. You've won a lot of important games. Mm-hmm. Playoff games are important. A, a division championship's important. Getting to the NFC championship game and winning it, that's an important game. It's a crucial right. game. But it's not the, the ultimate top-of-the-mountain accomplishment. And where you set your ambitions and goals also plays into that too right like for the Niners they're a Super Bowl or bust team with the way they're constructed you can't then lose the Super Bowl and come out like hey we won a lot of big games well no you're a our goal this year is to win the Super Bowl we have a team that we feel can win the Super Bowl everybody says that but not everybody's true about it they're true about it they had a team that could because they went to overtime of the Super Bowl but it's like Andy Reid, some of the decisions he made in Philadelphia, like, we're not going to run the ball. The swing pass is our running game. Well, that's not, that's not going to work 
when you go against a team that can move really well side to side, got like linebackers, the Patriots defense. Yeah, linebackers are super active, great yeah. cover linebackers. That's not going to work. Like the Packers did a couple times, ran into this and that team. I think it's 49ers once even. So he had to adjust. And Kyle Shanahan's refusal to run the ball in the second half, like I'm going to make Brock Purdy the MVP. And the fact that it seems not everybody on the Niners was familiar with the overtime rules, which is a weird situation. But then you take the Chiefs like, hey, we spent three days on it in training camp. Like three days on the overtime rules for the playoffs, which is four months away. That's experienced coaching. That's being prepared for any Mm -hmm. eventuality. And I'm not saying Kyle Shanahan will never be that. Saying he's not that right now. And the evidence has been laid bare. To not go through that with your guys. Not to explain that. I mean, mm-hmm. because like you said, the Chiefs spent time. They devoted practice time yeah. to what What are we going to do? How is this going to play out if we get to this point? Where I, I just, it's, it's still, I'm Put flabber- Kyle Shanahan yeah. where you want Kyle Shanahan to be. If he's the head coach of the Broncos, is it? Well, Andy Reid couldn't win the big one early either. Absolutely not. Not the way this fan base is. There is no defense of Kyle Shanahan this week. It's how do you not teach your guys the overtime rules? Why do you continue to try to make the quarterback the star when you have a stud running back? You have, you have the offensive mm-hmm. player of the year in Christian McCaffrey. Not just to do, not just some guy. Yeah. The offensive player of the year. Give him the ball. Build on your lead. Run the football to start the second half and put Brock Purdy in the most advantageous position to win the football game. You had the NFL's best offensive player from week one to week 17 and into the playoffs. I don't really care who else is in that conversation. Christian McCaffrey was the guy this year. I mean, 1,500 yards rushing, a couple hundred yards on top of that receiving. Almost, He had over 2,000 yards from scrimmage. Yeah. Like, put the rock in that guy's hands. If it means that your pet project is not going to be the Super Bowl MVP, that's fine because you don't have to answer the questions of why don't your guys know the overtime And guess who's probably going to be fine with that more than anybody else? Brock Brock, Purdy. Brock Purdy. We won the Super Bowl. Yeah. I threw for 112 yards. I don't care. We won. So I'm not an elite quarterback Mm -hmm. because I didn't go out and light it up for 300 and some yards and three touchdowns. We won the game. Right. I'm in my second year. I'm just going to get better. And I want to get back here again. And I want to be a big part of why we get back here again. But there's just a little bit of hubris that Mike or Kyle Shanahan needs to lose. And I think Andy Reid went through that same thing. But Kyle Shanahan's young. Andy Reid's in his 60s. There's still plenty of time for him to figure it out. Do I think Kyle Shanahan goes his entire career not winning a Super Bowl? No. no I think, he, I think he figures it out. Yeah, he wins one someday. But he's got to figure it out, right? Like, because this loss is on him, and I said it Monday. And you and you can't act like, look at all the stuff we accomplished. Yep. Look what we did. Look at the big games. Big games we won. 49ers yeah. don't raise division banners. They might, but theoretically. That's not supposed to be that's that not organization. The, the end of the line. I think Bill Walsh should have been, oh, hey, we... We, hey, won look, the, we, we won, won some NFC. big games. We know? won the NFC West. Mm-hmm. Yay. Yeah. It was about winning Super Bowls. And to minimize it by 
by so well we we've won a lot of or we've already won a lot of big games. To me, that's just minimizing it. It it's, reeks of pff, that game doesn't matter. It reeks of Rob Manfred. Oh, the World Series trophy is just a hunk of metal. One hundred percent doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter that we won. Right we, on the nose. We won. We won a lot of big games. Mm-hmm. Hey, so we won twelve games of the regular season. Every game's a big game in the NFL. Stop. Stop it. See, we got one from uh, Rich this morning. Uh, Rich in Grand Junction. I'm a Bronco fan. I have the utmost respect for the Chiefs franchise. When Travis Kelsey aggressively bumped into said coach during the Super Bowl, I was completely aghast. I believe Bill Belichick would have set him down for the rest of the game, period, regardless of the Super Bowl. Kind of reminds me of those aggressive kids treating their teachers very poorly. Unacceptable. Travis is sorry. He shouldn't have done it. We, we, we made that comment, mm-hmm. we, but that was inappropriate on his for him to it's react the way he did. It's a bad look. I get it that he wants to win and he wanted to be in there and mm-hmm. his replacement missed the block and, and he was frustrated. I, it doesn't excuse the behavior, right? but also let's not immediately because he had one bad moment that he's the worst guy in the world. And he's, and, and he's a nasty guy that mm-hmm. treats people badly. And he's an indictment on all that's wrong with youth sports. He handled himself poorly in a moment of frustration. And he was quick to acknowledge that. I'm glad everybody else seems to be of the belief they could have done better. I'm proud of you. Also, like, let's remove the (laughs) the guys that beat up their coaches because they don't get the last shot or they don't get to play quarterback or they're not the starting pitcher or, you know, you gave me the take sign. I'm not going to do it. You know, little Jimmy swings away, not to say that's Kelsey, you. Kelsey, yeah, that's right. Kelsey wanted to be there to block. Yeah. So that, that was that was what he was upset about. And then he comes out two days later because they recorded the podcast yesterday saying like, you know what? That was unacceptable. I was a jack wagon. Shouldn't have done that. Jason says that was unacceptable. And Travis Kelsey says, you're right. I mean, what? And guess what? What if, more do you want from him? At that and, point? and if he gets benched, do they win that game? Oh. It's a huge place in the second half. And then you come around, then you'll have Chiefs fans and Kelsey fans be like, oh, come on, it's not that big a deal. It's like, you know, they, they get fired up. It's emotion. It's the whole thing. You need him in there. It's this is, this is a big game. You can't let one moment ruin everybody's entire season. Which Right, and, and Rich, I don't, I don't like, look, I didn't like the behavior. I didn't like him running up and... And bumping into him, he didn't, didn't shove him. Mm-hmm. He bumped, he ran up to him, and he bumped into him to plead his case. Right. It wasn't good. It wasn't classy. It wasn't the wasn't the way he should have handled it. It doesn't make him the worst guy in the world. It just doesn't. Now, if he said, I'm not sorry about it, mm-hmm. then you kind of go, well, that was kind of a, as good as he played. It's still kind of a, that's a turd comment right. to make. That's He's extremely apologetic about what happened. I just, we have to remember that a lot of players and a lot of coaches have done things like that. Tra- Patrick Waugh wanted to tear down the barrier and fight another coach when he was the coach. What, Bruce Boudreau, I believe? I believe so. Yeah. Now look at the fire. Look at the passion. Well, he knocked down a partition and... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's all, all eye of the beholder, and that's fine. It's just... We got to be genuine about this. Like, if you don't like it, that's fine. But you got to not like it when everybody does it. Not good. Not his best moment. Mm-hmm. When Sean Payton's ripping his quarterback 
on TV, you got to hate that too because it's the same thing. Nobody's talking about the culture of coaches bullying the players. A couple other here. Uh, text we got to get to before the show's over. Uh, Kyle Shanahan wasn't as prepared as the Chiefs. Didn't adapt to what Andy was doing in the late third quarter and should have used uh, Christian McCaffrey to the fullest. I wonder where is the fire inside of Kyle? Another text. To be fair, if Kyle lost, they're going to nitpick every decision and say he can't win the big one. He's lost one of the best linebackers in a non-contact injury. True. They had a couple other guys in the secondary that mm-hmm. were down as well. Probably less than 1% of a chance of that ever happening. A point where they hit the foot of a blocker on the punt, causing the turnover. Probably 1% of that. Extra point was probably less than 2% chance of normally happening. And the narrative that people don't know about the overtime rules, to be fair, the wide receiver that caught the winning pass from Kansas City had no idea he just won the Super Bowl, yet that was not mentioned at all. If just one thing goes differently, Kyle's not questioning about any of these things right now, and Andy Reid is going to be nitpicked about his decisions. Maybe. Maybe. He may be right. And all of the things that you're talking about there happen in regulation. And I know it's the, well, you know, the, who is it? Nicole Hardman. Nicole Hardman. There's a difference between, yeah, I didn't know the rules, and I blacked out and had no idea what was happening. Because it's gone record that he did, Andy Reid did go over extensively what would happen with overtime. And Michael Hardman didn't say, I didn't know the rules. Michael Hardman blacked out because he just caught a pass. He just won the Super Bowl. A touchdown in in overtime overtime in the Super Bowl. And if they kick a field goal and you score a touchdown, you win. It's over. I just, and he's right about all of the wonky things that happened. And to be honest, the fact that they even went to overtime with all that is a credit to Kyle Shanahan. But your kicker's got to get the ball up on a PAT and not get a block. Mm-hmm. 